You know, one of the things I appreciate about God's Word is that it'll renew your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, To be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what God's will is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice. In fact, I believe, for example, water baptism is a, is a really strategic example of that. I believe showing up in a church service, as busy as we are, with all the weapons of mass distraction vying for our attention, uh, the intentionality that's present here is an aspect of what we present to the Lord. We, we give our body as a living sacrifice. I mean, we're not our own. The Bible says in one verse uh, that we're to live as though we're alive from the dead. You guys, I have been rescued from death so many times. You would think I would really catch on to that verse and not be so selfish, but it's, it's amazing how our, the drift factor of our flesh, I mean, uh, I don't want to see a show of hands, but how many of you could relate? Okay, anyway, so that's why, that's the thing. I heard a funny thing stated that uh, we present ourselves on the altar before God. The problem with a living sacrifice is it keeps trying to crawl off the altar. So that's why we need to intentionally, deliberately, every day present ourselves to God. And I want to go to a verse in Isaiah 55 that is white hot. It is beautiful. It's prophesied by Isaiah, the Hebrew prophet, you know, a long time ago, and it's as pertinent today as it was for the application that it was originally intended for. You know, whenever you go to rightly divide the Word of God, there are four rules of Bible interpretation. One is you ask, who is speaking these words? So in the book of Isaiah, can, it's an open book test, who's speaking this? Isaiah the prophet. To whom are these words spoken? Now, he's a prophet to Israel, so he's speaking to ancient Israel. Number three, for what purpose are they spoken? So we have to delve in and see that what Isaiah is prophesying about here, he's saying some very key things to the people. In, in chapter 54, he's talking about the fertility of Zion, and he says, Shout for joy, O barren one, you who have borne no children. Break forth into joyful shouting and cry aloud, you who have not travailed. For the sons of the desolate one will be more numerous than the sons of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Spare not. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your pegs. For you will spread abroad to the right and the left. Your descendants will possess the nations. You will resettle the desolate cities. You could still sense the buoyancy and the magnitude and the anointing and the depth of these words. Fear not, for you will not be put to shame. And do not feel humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. But you will forget the shame of your youth and the reproach of your widowhood. You will remember no more. For your, your husband is your maker, whose name is the Lord of hosts. And your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. And for God, the Lord has called you. And it goes on and on. And he talks about the days of Noah. And, how, and then he says, your sons will be taught of the Lord. And the well-being of your sons will be great. Listen, my read, as I watch so many young people be baptized, the indication is that parents are being conscientious. And they're training up their children in the way they should go. And that they're taking this on. And they're, they're affirming this. And they're going to walk with God all the days of their lives. And that these verses that echo from antiquity are as pertinent now as they are then. You know, there's a historical application for these and what the period was in which they were spoken. There are general truths that we can go back in. 
Remember, in the New Testament, all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully equipped. These are equipping truths. These show how faithful God was to Zion. And in fact, in the New Testament, the church is called Zion. So we can go to these verses and we could get so much out of them. So then in Isaiah, uh, you know, he says, there is no weapon formed against you will prosper. It says, he says, in righteousness you will be established. You will be far from oppression and you will not fear. And from terror, for it will not come near you. If anyone fiercely assails you, it will not be from me. Whoever assails you will fall because of you. Wow. And then he says, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment, I condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and your vindication is me. Then he says, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk. These things reference the milk being the word, wine being the spirit. He says, nothing else is going to satisfy you. Come and get what really matters. Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. He says in verse 3, listen that you may live. Wow. You know, the Bible says in the New Testament that when they came to hear, they were healed. Romans 10, 17 says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And Jesus often said, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. He talked about generations that have become dull of hearing. In fact, our generation has become dull of hearing. That's why in Isaiah 40, he says, you guys get yourself up on a high mountain, Zion bearer of good news. You know, we're called to bear good news. And something's happening in the spirit. We don't see it right now. We don't feel it right now. It can't be quantified by the news media. But God, be assured of this. The head of the church is bringing something to pass right now. We just need to have ears to hear on it. And so, you know, as we read these verses about God's faithful mercies that he showed David, and it goes on and on and on. But I want to get right down to verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. I want you to pay particular attention to that verse 7. Forsaking unrighteous thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he will have compassion on him. Who has found that to be the case? Time and again, mercy triumphs over judgment. Aren't you thankful that he calls us to draw near with confidence to the throne of grace in order that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need? Everybody say mercy. Man, this is increasingly important in today's world of smugness, of narcissism, of dismissiveness, the absence of empathy. There's a call going out, and it starts in the heart. It starts with the church. It starts with us. There's, there's got to be a preceding stirring in the church and in our hearts. Well, the historians call it revival. Revive means uh, to whatever was alive that's gotten dull gets reactivated. It's like stirring up fire through the winter of the fireplace. It would, the embers would start to cover up. It would start to smother itself, and you had to get a poker and stir it around and move the ash out of the way, and it would revive. You put another log on, it would keep burning. You'd burn it. You could burn it all day. And, and I, I believe the sustaining power of God can cause each one of us to stay on fire all the way through longevity, all the way to our last breath. He wants to fan the flames in us. He wants us to fan the flames. Paul told Timothy to kindle afresh the gift that was in him. That was the context where he said in 2 Timothy chapter 1, hey, listen, man, God has not given you a spirit of fear. 
and he had to er encourage Timothy. Apparently, he was getting in some anxiety. He said, but God has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And uh, I believe that pronouncement is echoing into the church today. This idea of forsaking unrighteous thoughts is very interesting to me. And I'm going to tie this together with 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, 3 through 5. But he says uh, in verse 8, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Moses said, teach us your ways, Lord. You know, another verse says, teach us the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord and the reverence for God is to hate evil and to turn away from wickedness, and it's the beginning of knowledge. It's kind of uh, been uh, ignored a little bit. It's about to come back on the front burner. This idea here invites us actually to, to tap into God's thinking. He invites us when we go to his word, these are God's thoughts. He said, my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And yet, he's inviting us to actually think the thoughts of God. When we get invited into the word of God, we could come in and forsake our toxic thinking, and we could go in and start seeing what he thinks about things right now. Listen, there's so much toxicity built up right now. You know, there's so many opinions, all these voices clamoring for our thought processes. But the voicing of God's word, it's pure. In fact, as the rain and snow that came down from heaven and doesn't return without watering the earth, he said, but making it barren sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread for the eater, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. He sent his word, it says in Psalm 107, verse 20, to heal them. Jesus is the word made flesh, according to John chapter 1, verse 14. We beheld his glory, the glory of, as of the only begotten of, of the Father. When Paul said, hey, be renewed in the spirit of your mind to the church at Ephesus, he told the Romans, like I said, that when you and I are renewed by this metamorphosis, the renewing of our mind, we could actually start not only to think the thoughts of God, but we could start to acquire the details for which we were created. And we could actually trade our sorrows and cast our cares on him. We cast our burden upon the Lord. The Bible, he, he trades it off with his, his sustenance. He'll sustain us. We cast our cares on the Lord. He cares for us. Come on, this is amazing. Now, as far as toxic thinking goes, on one of my many epic uh, health food uh, uh, cycles, uh, we had, I at one point had three different types of juicers. And um, we had a champion juicer, we had a, a centrifuge type juicer, and we had a Vitamix. So it was like a, a blender type juicer. And there's this whole thing going out that if you and I buy, you know, $700 a day of groceries, we put them all in and get a little eight ounce cup, and then we have to clean the compost out of the kitchen, that somehow we're going to... So I, I got really excited about it, and I, I juiced beets and carrots. In fact, I would go to the local grocery store, and I would buy these big bulk 10-pound bags of carrots. And there was a lady that worked the night shift. Every time I went through the line, she said, do you own horses? <laughs> and every time I said, no, I just didn't even want to explain it to her, because... And she, she said, I like working the night shift. Only weird people come out at this time. It's like, what are you saying to me, man? But we did have a moment. She was quite a girl, man. 
Patsy and I just, she just was one of those tough, grisly ladies, and she still thinks I have horses, but I juiced one day on my getting ready to come to the office to work, and then I, I like to juice uh, green leafy vegetables because I'm told that we need to have a bunch of green leafy vegetables, right? Have you been told that? So I juiced uh, apples, carrots, and, but I ran out of spinach, and uh, I looked throughout, you know, in the crisper and the, the refrigerator, couldn't find any. And then I remembered that there's this, this plant that grows in Missouri called pokeweed. When I married Patsy, Patsy's family is from the part of the world where you could harvest pokeweed, and in fact, her dad would take it, parboil it, cook some scrambled eggs and mix it all together, and it was delicious. I mean, he was quite a cook, and it was amazing. So I went out there and I picked, oh, maybe 40 really nice leaves of pokeweed, went in and I put them in my juicer, juiced it out. I made about a 32-ounce tumbler, like a big gulp size for me. I gave Patsy maybe 12 ounces or so. I said, here, Patsy, just drink this. She said, what's in it? I said, ah, just, it's, just drink it. I, I went to work. I came and actually I had a counseling session that was going into a dimension of real depth. And right at the time when hearts were being really opened and there, were, there was actually a moment of breakthrough and God was really moving, my system was starting to really move, move at the same time. And uh, it just wasn't good. Something was wrong. My throat started to feel like it was closing up. And I, I started feeling panicky. So they're right in the middle, of, and they're get, starting to get breakthrough. And they're right in the middle of saying, could you excuse me, please? And I walked into the, the restroom, you know, and uh, it, was, it was anatomical, problematic anatomical. When you have children, you know, you have a direct dial to the poison control center. Because, you know, you don't, if they ate 12 crayons, you have to call them and say, hey, is this okay? And that kind of thing, you know. So I called the poison control center. I said, hey, man. Hey, well, uh, how can I help you? Well, listen, I uh, feel, because I, I sprayed Roundup on my fence line. And I thought, maybe I just juice some Roundup. And that was what I thought of. So. But I said, hey, listen, I just juiced some poke weed, and I think I might have th had some Roundup on it, so I might have just, so he said, you, you did what? And so I told him, and so, so he tried not to be judgmental, but I could feel his eyes rolling over the phone. It's like, so he goes, he says, I'm going to put you on hold. I'm going to go online. I'm going to see what the deal is. He looks it up. He said, how many uh, leaves did you ingest? And I went, oh, I, a few. He goes, no, no, how many? I said, about 32. He said, 32? He said, uh, I'm going to check you into the emergency room. I said, no, 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 man, no, because I remember I was having a breakthrough counseling appointment. And uh, I said, just, can I, can't you just prescribe something over the counter like the charcoal drink? I could just drink some charcoal drink? That's what I thought. I'm brokering with this poison control guy. He said, I'm sending you to the hospital. I said, well, no, wait, man, well, I said, well, actually, also, I gave some to my wife. He goes, well, I'm, I'm checking you both into the hospital then. And you go, what, where are you going? What, where are you near? Which hospital are you near? Well, I said, this one. He goes, okay, you're going there now. I'm calling ahead. They're going to prepare for you to come. I said, well, dude, why? He said, do you want me to read what will happen to you if you don't go to the hospital? I said, well, I guess so. He said, blindness, paralysis, and death. 
So I hung up the phone. You thought that was a hard call. Now I had to call Patsy. <laughs> hey, Patsy. Hey. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? Hey, how, how you feeling? Well, it's funny you should ask. I feel real nauseated, and I feel real lightheaded. And I said, oh, yeah, well, you know that juice I gave you? What did you put in it? Pokeweed. Now, I told the guy on the phone, I said, look, man, I know you're not supposed to take the berries. The berries are poisonous. But the leaves are good. He goes, no, no, when the berries are on the plant, then the leaves are poisonous too. Yeah, you could take. In fact, so we got to the hospital, and I was having to fill out the paperwork while I was projectile vomiting and so forth. When that guy got really stern with me and wanted to tell me what the, what the results would be of the toxicity, blindness, paralysis, and death, I think toxic thinking produces spiritual blindness, paralysis of our progress and momentum in God and our walk of faith, and the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So in fact, this call to forsake and get rid of toxic thinking is more important than we realize. And uh, by the way, I recovered. I recovered. <laughs> Patsy, I had, to be on, I had to be on an IV for about half the day. It was, a, I thought, you know, I have not ever touched polk weed again since then. In fact, a doctor came in and he said, he kept looking, they would peek in and look at us and go. <laughs> it was an amazing bedside manner, such grace. The doctor told me, he says, hey, I have three mushroom books at my house. And it's, it describes this one particular strain of mushroom. One says that it's uh, delicious and amazing and totally safe. One says it's iffy, and one says it's, it'll make you deathly ill. So he said, I, I just decided to get my groceries at the store. And he said, I advise you to do the same thing. So, to forsake the toxic thinking is to loosen, to relinquish, to refuse, to leave it, to move away from it, and to start to get our minds on God's word and set our affections on things above and get our minds renewed to the promises of God. I want to finish up with 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. It's an amazing little synopsis here that's very similar and echoes Isaiah 55. You know, I couldn't get anything prescribed over the counter. I had to have an IV. I had to have medical intervention. I just want to tell you that God actually is inviting us in this hour to walk in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And uh, it just has its distinct place in voicing God's views on things. In fact, you see the, any area where people have ridiculed and dismissed the word of God, culture is deteriorated. It just doesn't take rocket science to acknowledge that, that toxicity has produced blindness, paralysis, and death. But it says in verse 3, chapter 10, 2 Corinthians, for we walk, though we walk in the flesh, or we live an earthly life, we do not war according to the flesh. And when we're singing there's an army rising up, it's not some sort of militancy. It's not some sort of natural fight. Our fight, according to Ephesians, the sixth chapter, is against principalities, powers, rulers of this darkness, and spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, the good news, you guys, is Jesus has conquered 
and is greater, and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that we've been given the name that's above every name. And that, that as we sang, it breaks every chain. And as it speaks here, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh. They're not carnal. They're not of human origin. It's not, you know, charm and quickness and wit. But it's divinely, they're divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. That's interesting. We have divine empowerment available to us that breaks chains off of people's lives. I had a guy out in the foyer. He said, I was an atheist for my whole life. He said, I've just, the lights have gone on. You know, I know that's a grace of God. I know that I've seen so many people saved. In fact, this baptism was an indication of some tremendous life changes. It took a lot for some of those people to make that level of commitment. And they're paying a price. The ridicule, the dismissiveness, you don't get patted on the back by the devil or by the world for, for obeying God. Nonetheless, we'll follow through and we'll obey God anyway. And we have spiritual strength that comes to us from God. And it says in verse five, it says, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So I'm gonna close with this, you guys. We need to get rid of toxic thinking and uh, we need to get our minds renewed to the promises of the word of God. It's a good start right now. Just Isaiah 55, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three through five. Man, you can just get that embedded into your spirit and feed on this for the next few days. Just the idea that we can seek the Lord while he may be found, that we forsake our toxic thinking in, in the form of casting down imaginations. How amazing is that? What an idea. And not only is it just some sort of cute allegorical idea, it's actually, it's actually the way it is. We need to take our thought lives and realize not every thought that comes to us is from God, and not every thought that comes to us needs to be meditated on and pondered. And I heard it said like this, with certain thoughts that come to us, you could flip channels and have heinous news information fed to you, but it's kind of like you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from nesting in your hair. And I believe the idea of Isaiah 55, forsake, turn from that unrighteous thinking, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that actually taking authority over these, you know, right before I had my boating accident, I was being bombarded. I had watched a, an award show. Award shows are, they're hard to watch. They're such a weird deal. I don't think we should watch award shows, and yet here I was watching another one. And it was so showcasing such crazy stuff, and it messed up with my headspace. Then I went out to sea, and I went out in the ocean for two hours, crashed into a boulder, and when we were all knocked unconscious, when I came up, I looked at my friends who were bleeding all over the place, one nearly dying, and when I came to from consciousness, the first thing I said was, oh, no, no, no. I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. I, I, I just realized this is a spiritual attack, man. But before that natural crash, I was being bombarded in my mind. Well, in fact, for the next year and a half or so, man, Crazy bombardment on my thought life. Crazy. It just, just bombardment. Well, what is that? The devil, our adversary, is like a thief. And he, 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 is, he is evil. The Bible says in John chapter 10, the definition of his behavior is he comes for three reasons, to steal, to kill, and destroy. 
Everybody say blindness, paralysis, and death. That's basically what that seduction in your thought life and mind is all about. That's why, on the other hand, going into the Word of God, where would we be without the Bible, you guys? I am so thankful for the Word of God, to be able to go to the Scriptures. Years ago, on one of my first funerals, I was in the funeral director's limo, and the driver was driving, and the owner was back there, and he was taking me to the cemetery, and I was going to go and do the cemetery service. I had just done the funeral. And he was coaching me as a young pastor. His dad had just died, and he said, I was so out of it. And I thought, wow, he's a funeral director. He's a professional. But he was all wiped out under the sadness of losing his dad. Because, you know, everybody's a person, and we all have our feelings. But he told me that when the pastor opened up the book and began to read the Bible, he said then and only then did his thoughts get sorted out. Did comfort start to come? Did the, that oppression start to break off of his life? And basically what he was saying to me, wink, wink, he was coaching me, young preacher, what you're doing with the Bible, sharing for, with these broken-hearted people is profound. He's the God of all comfort. He, he, the, the, the word brings forth life. The entrance of his word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. His word is a, it's a sword that comes in and cuts through all the confusion, cuts through all the darkness, destroys speculations. What does the King James say? It says, casting down imaginations and taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations. Man, you've just got to take them and you've got to fight. After we had that boating accident, I felt like I was supposed to stay there even though I was all beat up. I had really no business being there, but I knew my friend did not have a clue what happened. And I knew I needed to be there to tell him what happened. And so 11 days or so after, he said the last thing he remembered was me talking to him, and the last, then the first thing was me talking to him. So I stayed there and I waited, hovered over his bed. I had the sternum that was shifting all around. My ribs were, I kept telling him, my ribs are broken. Oh, no, they're not broken, they're not broken. No, it's just your sternum, and it's just... And then it's like, later on, a lady said, you know, your ribs were broken. I said, I knew it. That was such a weird attack. I'm just so grateful God brought me through it. And I'm so thankful for everybody who prayed for me. You know, with Paul, he talked at the beginning of the, the introduction of 2 Corinthians. He talked about how he had aspired to go to Asia and, and reach a certain part of the world. And this kind of stuff will heap up right before a breakthrough. It's kind of the darkness before the dawn type of thing. I don't think that's a cliche. I think they're spiritual trends. And the devil doesn't know the future. God does, but the devil doesn't. But yet the devil sees indicators and he tries to breed oppression and sow uh, confusion and, so, and, and produce bondages. And here's the, the, this Bible says we have divinely empowered authority and God has anointed us to be able to cast down imaginations and take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. When he sent out the 70 in, in the Gospel of Luke, he gave them authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and, and nothing would be impossible to them. They went out, they returned with joy, and they were just titillated by the results. People were being saved, demons were being cast out, or people were hearing the Gospel. Uh, demons were being cast out and bodies were being healed and they were really enamored about it. And Jesus calmed them and said, don't get all excited about the results. Get excited that your names are recorded in the Lamb's Book of Life. And uh, yet that same thunderous truth is present for us now, that he has given us authority, that whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. 
Watch news with this idea. Navigate through life with this idea. Look at the groundswell of narcissism with this idea and believe God for a great, a great outcome. I'm believing that this will not only strengthen you to get you out of, uh, of, of toxic thinking and cause breakthrough for your thought life, I also believe it's gonna equip you so you can move into a new level of spiritual authority that will help you to be bold against the vicious attacks of the devil. Wow, be bold. Paul said, I don't want you to be unaware of the affliction that we dealt with in Asia. We were burdened excessively beyond our own strength. We despaired even of life. We had the sentence of death in us, so we, couldn't even, we didn't even trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And he said, but God delivered us from so great a peril of death. He, he has delivered us and he will deliver us on whom we fix our hope. You joining and helping us through your prayers so that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. Paul went through a spiritual fog and some type of oppression that was of such a magnitude that he stopped in the middle of writing Corinthians, told him about this just to let him know, I do not want you to be unaware. We were weighed down and we were, we were distressed and depressed. It was overwhelming and yet, God poured out strength. God caused breakthrough. When you prayed, favor came on us. So I close with this, you guys. In order to avoid blindness, paralysis, and death, let's go afresh to the promises of God. Take hold of his truths right now, realizing that as they penetrate our thinking, it strengthens us. Strengthened with might and power by his spirit in the inner man the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that God is, in fact, let's all stand up on our feet. I want to pray for you, that every chain will break off of you. I know one of your takeaways is you're not going to go juice pokeweed anytime soon, right? I also know that uh, you can forsake convoluted thinking and get your mind on him and get renewed in the spirit of your mind. I want you to lift up your hands toward heaven. I just pray... You're like a new, I know there's some new Christians in here. You just got saved. And I pray the presence of God will come into your life and help you sort out all this new stuff. Those of you that have been at it a long time and you've grown weary, gotten a little bit complacent, I pray the fire of God would just stir in your heart afresh. There is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ. This is not a shame-centered culture. It's a Jesus cross-centered culture where he shed his blood to redeem us. Our Redeemer lives and He has died to give us eternal life and He pushes the reset button on us the second we repent, the second we humble ourselves and we lift up our voices in prayer. And so God, I pray for the healing of our nation and our world that we're in right now, a new beginning of harvest and revival. God, I pray for us, for churches all around, God, that hearts would be stirred toward Jesus strength on pastors and leaders. I pray, the, I pray a fresh uh, uh, heart for prayer and worship, God. I pray you help us in the word and, and studying the scriptures. God, I thank you for a magnificent spike and surge of winning lost people to Jesus. God, I pray for the souls of our community around us that they would come to know the Lord. And I bind the devil and every other evil fixation, every bit of darkness around about us. And I thank you, God, for the army that's rising up. I thank you for the chains that are being broken by the power in the name of Jesus. 
the power in the name of Jesus. And I pray, God, anybody that feels like they just kind of tipped in their thought life, you've given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Everybody say a sound mind. God, you walk me through that crazy oppressive time and I'm so thankful for it. I thank you, Lord. You, you always cause us to triumph. Say that with me. He always causes us to triumph. Say that. He always causes us to triumph.